the biggest mistake that we made in the first year was not fixing up the properties immediately. The ones that were really distressed, we thought that we could use cash flow to, yeah. to, to build these up. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me today, I'm excited to have Keith Hand. Keith, how are you doing? Good, how are you? I am fantastic. A little bit about Keith. He is a real estate investor from Brunswick, Georgia. Started his entrepreneurial career in the fitness business, running a personal training contracting company, which ran personal training for seven gyms across Southern Georgia. He got his start in real estate in 2017 when he, with the purchase of a 30 unit mobile home park, Keith set a goal to acquire 100 units in his first year. He was able to achieve that goal on the last day of the year. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now owns five mobile home park and is just continuing to expand his portfolio. Keith, yeah. with that said, why don't you give our listeners a little bit more about your background, about, uh, about your fitness business, and then about what you're doing today. Sure. Yeah. So, um, I am, I grew up in, in Southeast Georgia in Brunswick, um, went to college for about 10 years because <laughs> I had no idea what I wanted to do. So, um, I was actually a, a health and PE teacher. Um, I was in my last semester of student teaching doing that. Um, and realized that I didn't like kids or at least not in large groups. <laughs> so, so, uh, decided that wasn't going to be the thing for me. Um, actually went up with a degree in philosophy <laughs> um, and uh, moved back home, started a, a little gym there, which I had no idea what I was doing from a business standpoint. I just knew I could train people. So I started that, um, wound up going back to graduate school because I thought maybe I wanted to be a personal or physical therapist. Um, and then as I was preparing to go into that program, I got a an opportunity to start a fitness company doing contracting for some gyms in Southeast Georgia guy that went to high school with had some gyms and I talked to him and he was like, Hey, we've never, never made any money off personal training. And I was like, well, I think we can do it. So we went over and, uh, that took off pretty quickly. Um, and then a few years later during that whole time, I was, I was like listening to the bigger pockets podcast, reading everything I could find about real estate. Cause I really love real estate. I just didn't know how to get into it. And so, um, after a few years of doing that business, one of the gym owners that I worked with, um, we were riding the car one day and he was like, Hey, uh, I told him that I wanted to be a real estate investor. He was like, well, I got money. I just don't have time. And I was like, well, I got time. I just don't have the money. So we partnered up and, uh, first, first purchase we made was the 30 unit mobile home park. Awesome. And, uh, we own, uh, yeah, we own uh, about 125 units today, but we, we have another, uh, 29 pad mobile home park under contract right now. Um, uh, actually we, we just got the LOI, um, signed. So we have a PSA going, getting written right now. So hopefully tomorrow we'll have that executed and everything will be underway for that. So, um, we want to try to get another hundred units this year. And these are small numbers. We do, we've, we've kind of, our business model has been smaller, smaller deals, um, yep. like small multifamily, uh, in apartment, I mean, in, uh, mobile home parks. So that's kind of what we've been doing. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we can continue to grow that over the next couple of years. That's great. So 
are you still doing the uh the the personal training stuff or have you given that up no none of that anymore so i actually learned a, a good lesson with this uh okay. last year so actually it was the end of i guess 2018 um, I was working at the gym that I had originally started 10 years ago. I sold that gym just for what I owed on the equipment, like a year after I started it, but it's still around. And, uh, the guy who was running it at the time said he was moving to Texas and I was just there working out and he, uh, asked me if I wanted to buy it back. So I did that and that turned out to be a really bad move because I wasn't focused on my, my, uh, real estate business. And, um, I, I was just too spread out. And so we actually grew the gym a lot, but I lost a lot of money in the, probably on the real estate side because of uh, deals that I wasn't able to, to work on. And uh, we started getting a lot more vacancies. We, we are self-managed still. We have managers who work there, work for us in-house, but um, I do, I manage those people. And so I was just a lot more hands-off and it wound up hurting our real estate business. And so I learned my lesson with that. I got out of that business and uh, sold it to some members and decided I'm going to focus, go all in on, on real estate. So, um, end of last year, well, summer, end of the summer last year, I sold that business to, to the couple of people who bought it for, who were members there and, uh, just fully focused on real estate now. So learned my lesson with that. Uh, I think everybody, everything that I hear from, from successful people, they'll all tell you to just hyper-focus on one thing. And, uh, I didn't do that. And I think it, it cost me. So now I'm, I'm focused on real estate. So there you go. La lesson learned yeah. along the way, right? That's right. Yep. At least it was <laughs> early and out. it didn't take you down. It's, it's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and how about your business partners is, is first of all, are you guys still doing deals together. Second of all, is, is he doing it full time or is he still focusing on his, his, uh, gyms? I think you said he owned some gyms. That's right. He, he owned, uh, at one point he owned five of the seven that we were in. He had a partner, um, he and the partner split up. So now he owns three of them, uh, on his own, but he just sold one. He is still in the gym business, but I think his focus is kind of shifting to, um, more into this, but he, you know, our deal when we first came in was that he would, he would supply the money and the financing and I would do all the work. And he has done some work just because he's a good guy and he's, you know, <laughs> helped out with some of that stuff when he's needed. But uh, for the most part, I try to handle most of the day-to-day -day stuff and let him just, just kind of be the investor. So, uh, but he, he has kind of seen this, this take off and grow some. And so now um, he is kind of focusing a little bit more on this. So he, he had listed um, all of his gyms at one point. I know he sold one of them and the other two, I think are still listed. So not sure what his, his future plans are, but I know he's going to be more active in the real estate stuff moving forward. So we haven't done any big, like, you know, deals that we need to syndicate. We funded all of our own deals. He's, he's funded all of them and uh, I manage them all. So we, um, we have talked about doing some larger stuff. So I think, you know, once he gets, if he does one, one up fully out of the fitness business, uh, we may, we may jump into some bigger stuff. Um, but we've kind of followed his business model in the gym business. We are in smaller markets um, and we're doing smaller deals that have bigger returns. Um, and it's kind of worked out. So they, he and his partner focused on smaller, um, smaller towns when they did their uh, open their gyms because uh, they didn't have the, the planet fitness to compete with and that kind of thing. Sure. And uh, it actually worked out pretty well for them. Uh, they built a pretty good business off of that. And so we've kind of replicated that. And what we've done 
Um, and one of the towns that he had his gym in, uh, we, we bought some parks there and now we're kind of venturing out into some bigger markets, but, um, yeah, we've kind of done that, you know, over the last three years. So. And I could see that being a pretty good strategy with these parks. You've got a town that, you know, that the park has maybe no amenities, maybe it's run down and you can just make it the nicest place there for people. And it's, it's really potentially maybe even the only option or one of two or three options for them. But if you've got the nicest place, um, you probably got a pretty good handle on, on, on your tenant base and your market. And, uh, you know, it, it can work. I could see pretty well doing that. Yeah. And it, it's been cool because so that we're in, there's really low vacancy rates in all the rental properties around. Um, so it's not like there's no demand for it. There, there's bigger towns around us. And so we have a lot of tenants who will drive into those cities mm -hmm. to work and then sure. live where we are because rent is so much cheaper. Um, but um, the rents were really depressed for like, like nobody had raised rents for like 20 years, you know? So when <laughs> we came in, we took over, <laughs> we took over this, this, the first park and we realized that the rents were really low, but we also kind of learned through the due diligence. And then when we took over that, there was uh, of the 30 that we bought, nine of them were non-performing. So they were either vacant or they, the people weren't paying and they just hadn't been evicted. So, so it's like mom and pop owners who, who weren't really paying attention, you know, and yeah. some of them, like the first, the first property that we, we went into that was vacant. The only thing that was, that it needed was just peel back the carpet in one area replace a little bit of the subfloor. Like it was not a big deal. It was like a 30, 40 minute job, you know, like oh, something that could have been easily fixed. But yeah. instead of doing that, he had his guys working on a big project that, you know, while this one sat empty. So I just pulled them off, put them on that one. We rented it in like two days and then, you know, we, we moved to the next one. So we, we were able in just a couple of months to get all of those nine units remodeled and rented and basically doubled the income of the park in, in just, you know, a couple of months. So, it was um, pretty easy and we, we kind of did that same thing with the next one and the next one. So um, that's what we've done. So let's talk about finding these deals. What have you been doing to be able to find the deals? Is it direct to seller? Are you using brokers? What, what are you using? Sure. So the first deal that we did, um, Tommy actually got a call, my partner, he got a call about a well that was for sale. So we went to look at the well and that turned out to be kind of a funky deal, but we bought the well and the park. Um, whenever we looked at the well, we decided we weren't interested unless we could buy the whole park. Um, so we got the whole park through the lady who was selling the well. Her son was a real estate agent. That was, this was his first deal that he ever did. He listed her well and he wound up selling this whole park and the well. And um, so through that, um, I was doing a lot of the, even the maintenance work at that point, you know, doing a, pretty much everything myself. I, I had, other guys coming in and doing a lot of the construction, but I was helping with all that stuff. So um, there's a mobile home supply store in town and uh, I w went to that store. I had been a few times and nobody was there. So I thought it was shut down. And so I went to one of the guys that was working with me on a project over there and, and told him I couldn't find some doors that we needed because the mobile home supply store was closed. And he was like, no, they're open. You just have to catch them when they're there. So I rode by one day and they were there went and talked to the lady found out that she owned a 42 unit park behind the store and i was like well you interested in selling and she was like yes please so so um 
her husband was like in the other room and I was like, well, how much do you want for it? And she was like, he'll tell you 500, but I'll take 350 for it. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so we wound up getting that deal. And then pretty much all of our other deals have just been through networking. We, we tried to build a relationship with other landlords in town and then uh, they come into the store and we, um, you know, we talk to them there or, you know, however we, we build those relationships, but that's how we found most of them. So, and then the last one that we got was a, a, a broker um, who, who contacted us and, and we bought it that way. But the vast majority of it has just been through networking. So. And that's something to, you know, most people are buying in, in kind of the main markets, the big cities. Uh, but yeah. when you're looking at some of these tertiary markets, these smaller markets, like what you guys are buying in, you'll find some different types of deals. So there's, there's obviously some you know, the, the big cities, easy to sell. Um, there's always a market for them, fairly easy to rent. There's always the market for them. You've got those abs right. and flows. Uh, but you also have high competition where you guys yeah. aren't dealing with nearly as much competition. You probably have some, but you're not dealing with nearly as much. Um, and you're able to find these mom and pops, like the lady who says, my husband will tell you 500, but I'll take 350 for it. Um, she negotiated herself out of $150,000 without even the first word being said, really. So, but those are the great opportunities that you're finding in these, these smaller markets. And then my listeners, if you want to venture into smaller markets, you'll be able to potentially find those types of deals. Now it does, I feel, take a little bit more boots on the ground, uh, which is where mm-hmm. you being able to get to these properties is definitely helpful. Um, yeah. So I, I wanted to talk to you about the strategy, you know, you're buying these, you're, you're raising rents, you're occupying them. It sounds like you guys are creating quite a bit of value right away. Are you refinancing these properties or what, how are you going about that? Uh, are you refinancing and continue to go? Are you selling? What are you doing? Yeah. So, so one of the things about these small markets is that it's a lot harder to sell because there's not as many investors to, to, to buy. Right. So um, that wasn't really our plan from the beginning. We, this was cash flow for us and uh, we knew we could increase value. And then our goal is to pull that, that money out and continue to buy property with that. So um, that's what we're doing right now. We're actually working on a refinance of all five of the parks that we have. We bought them kind of right after one after the other. Um, So we got a lot of them in that first year. Uh, We just closed on a 15 unit last month and well in January. So, about two months now. And, uh, and then, um, we have another one in the contract now, but, um, for the most part, we bought in that first year, we bought about 110 units and the next year we spent kind of fixing those up. So, um, we put a bunch of money into them. Um, but you know, not as much as, as you would in a major apartment complex, but we, uh, we, you know, put new, new floors in paint, you know, made them nice. Some of them, like in that one where the, the lady I bought from the lady, they, they had just not really kept up with it. And uh, it was just really run down. So, you know, when we drove through the park, there was a few of them that I didn't even think were livable. And then we pressure washed them and like put some new floors and paint in. They're actually pretty nice now, you know? So, um, so we, uh, that's kind of been our, our whole, you know, whole model. So 
Um, we've come in, been able to buy them at really, really discounted rates and then put some money into them. We've been able to raise the rents almost double what they were getting, you know, before. And, um, and now hopefully they'll appraise for a lot more. So we'll be able to pull some cash out and, uh, and continue to move. So. Refi and roll, baby. That's, yep. that's, that's right. That's the best. <laughs> if you can do that. Yeah. yeah and, and like you said, you're not counting on appreciation, big appreciation in these small towns. You're counting yeah. on cash flow. You're, you're going to continue to buy these and create good cash flow. Now you did mention potentially going into larger property or larger areas, larger properties. Uh, and you mentioned that you're now self-managing. So it made it sound like you might consider not self-managing in the future. Is that something that's in the cards, bigger properties, bigger areas, uh, not self-managing? Yeah. Um, yeah, we're, we have looked at some, I'm really close to Jacksonville where I live, Savannah, uh, which is not a huge market, but, um, we have looked in those markets. We just haven't been able to find anything that's anywhere close to mm-hmm. like the return that we're getting here. Um, so, but we, where we are is a true tertiary market. It's a small town. There's a, a little bit larger market about 30 miles east of where we are, where we've been investing. And um, we've been kind of moving that way. So we're buying a park that's a little closer to that now. Um, rents are a lot higher in that market. Um, it's a military town, but it's a, you know, a decent sized market. Um, and so we're, we're looking at some deals in that market now. Um, Brunswick, where I live, is a little bit bigger than where we've been investing. That would be kind of a secondary market of Jacksonville, Savannah area. So we're dead in the middle of Jacksonville, Savannah. Um, so we, um, we have been looking at those, and we, we do have plans to buy some bigger stuff. Although, you know, if we keep finding these deals that are the kind of returns that we've been getting now, we'll continue that path. Um, we, we, right now our goal is to self-manage. Um, if, if it makes more sense when we buy a bigger property to bring on a property management company, we would, but we've kind of built our own property management company over the last three years with our properties. We don't manage other people's, but, um, we, that's kind of been what we've been doing over the last few years. So we feel pretty comfortable if it's local enough to us that, that we can be on site and train people and that kind of thing then uh, we would do it. But, you know, if we, if we found something in Atlanta or Orlando or something that was a bigger market, then, then we probably would go property management route. So when you're saying small market, like give me an idea, like 5,000 people, 20,000 people. Yeah. So Jessup, yeah, Jessup, Wayne County, which is the County we're investing in is about 20,000 people. Um, Glen County where I live is about a hundred thousand people. So uh, it's both small. Right. They're small towns. Yeah. So yeah. I know one of the, one of the cardinal rules that everybody says is don't invest in a place with less than a hundred thousand people. Right. So, and I think the reason for that is just, it's really hard to sell these properties. If you, if you're yeah. trying to sell, you don't have as big of a, of a pool, but for us, that was never our goal. Our goal was always to build cash flow with these properties. And then if we want to take a, a you know, take on a bigger property in a, in a bigger market and try to turn it around and sell it, then, then that would be fine. But for us, um, the original goal for us was just to build a, a big base of cash flow. So that's what we've kind of been doing. Are the are the areas you're investing in uh, are they, you know, growing in population, shrinking in population, kind of just just stable population? Um, so so where our parks are is a stable population. It's growing, um, but you know, it's not like explosive growth. Yeah. There are some towns around us that have like exploded. Polar was actually the fastest growing city in Georgia. It's probably um, 40 miles from where we are right now. 
Um, but markets like that kind of scare me because there's one employer there that's kind of the main employer, right? And Gulfstream is a big employer there. So they hired a bunch of people and the town grew a lot. So there has been a lot of investing there, a lot of building, but now I'm seeing Gulfstream cutting back jobs. And so it's like that, that kind of stuff scares me a lot. So, um, in our town, it's just kind of a stable little town. It's been here for a long time. It's, it's grown steadily, you know, but it's not, not decreasing in size. There are some, some areas around us that are decreasing that I would not invest in, but this one is steadily growing. And so, uh, and where I live in Brunswick, kind of the same thing, steady growth here. Um, so I feel like that, that rental market is stable, even in, you know, even we're looking at the downturn in like 08, um, some of the parks, all the parks that we own now were around in. So we kind of talked to the owners, how was this, you know, and, uh, everything did fine there. Um, we also have such a big, because we bought them so cheap, we have such a big basis there that we can, if we needed to decrease rents by, you know, even 50%, we would be okay. So that's, there's a lot of things that we look at to kind of mitigate our risks in these smaller towns. Yeah. Um, so, and that's kind of what we've been doing. Well, and you don't care what they sell for, because if you're going to keep them for right. a long time, you're going to probably pay off the loan eventually. And yeah. Or we're going to refinance it again. You're going to refinance years, it again know? and buy 20 yeah. more. You know, it's like. Exactly. Um, yeah. Very, very interesting. And one thing I, I want to, you know, kind of point out to those who are looking or thinking about, you know, this is, is um, these markets, these small markets, I think um, you know, we talk about, you talked about the towns that are a hundred thousand more in, with people and that's great um but you talked about the economy of the one city that has this one employer that's increasing the population drastically and we got to really be careful when we're investing in especially these smaller towns but even bigger towns this is can happen to um when it's that one employer one or two employers especially if it's just one industry i mean shoot we saw it in detroit that's a pretty dang big city yeah but we saw <laughs> right. that the, all the concentration was in manufacturing and specifically automotive manufacturing and obviously right. we saw what happened there the same thing can happen in these small towns but people get excited like you said and they go oh the population's booming i'm going to invest there but what you have to be careful of is why is that population booming and is that sustainable with a company going out of business? Because mm-hmm. companies go in and out of business very quickly and That's right. you can't control that. And so you have to be, you have to look at what factors you can't control and how are they going to play into your business? Yep. That's exactly right. And there's another to kind of play on that. Another thing that we see in our area, there's three towns that are fairly small towns, 100,000 people roughly. Um, and they have big military bases there. So like Another the thing. one that we've kind of been looking in. Yeah. And so where I'm from in Brunswick, um, there used to be a military base here until like the eighties, which now that base is gone. Um, yeah. But they, they replaced that with a uh, federal law enforcement training center, Fletzy that's here now. So it's okay. kind of similar idea, but you know, that's, we kind of look at that when we're looking at these small towns with military bases that, that, that account for a lot of the population. Um, if that goes away or even is decreased significantly, yep. what would that do to our, to our rents and you know, our vacancy rates and that kind of stuff. So yep. um, that is definitely something we have to think about 
in, in these smaller towns, especially, but even like you said, even a bigger, you know, larger city like Detroit or, you know, something that has a large military base. There's one in Savannah, which is not a huge town, but, you know, a uh, larger city than, than we're investing in for sure. It would yeah. be the same kind of thing. So. Yeah. And, and the problem, uh, not to, not to keep on the subject, but the problem with like a military base, for instance, um, is yeah, it's great right now. Uh, we have right. a president that's pro-military that's uh, yep. propping that up, but uh, we don't know who our next president is going to be. Eventually, it's not going to be the same president we have right now, um, right. and we don't know what's going to happen with that and where the bases are going to be and uh, all that kind of stuff. So it's really hard to right. uh, count on that for your 100% for your tenant base. There's got to be other drivers in the market. That's right. Um, well, cool. So. Uh, where, so where are you guys kind of, where are you taking this? Where do you want to go? That's a good question. You know, we, we have um, talked about getting to a thousand units um, over the next few years. Um, right now we're, we're still looking at smaller stuff, but we we're kind of venturing into like hundred unit, 150 unit properties that we're taking a look at now. Um, the returns are definitely a lot lower. But, um, you know, and some of these we'll be able to kind of get into without having to bring on a lot of outside money, which will be great. Um, eventually, we may get into some raising money and, and doing some bigger deals. But uh, right now, I think we, we're kind of still looking for those mom and pop deals that we can find in small towns. And it's, it's a lot harder today than it was three years ago. Um, and especially in larger cities where there's so much more competition and, you know, we don't have an established name in those cities and that kind of thing. But, you know, in our little area where we are now, we're, we're the biggest fish in the small pond right now. So, um, and I think that's kind of a good thing for us because when something comes up, um, either we're, we're contacted or we have a broker, some brokers who will contact us and let us know, hey, this is, this is what's going on. Because they know that we can close the deal and that we are good operators and, you know, we're going to be able to, to in, increase the, the value of this stuff. And, and you know, it's just, uh, it's, it makes it a little bit easier. So. So right now we're still still looking at these like 30 to 75 unit deals um, that that are either have a really really big value add component or already cash flowing really well. So okay, awesome. Yeah. Everybody I talk to that's in mobile home parks I always say, and I, I don't know if it's just because of economies for cash flow, but they always say you, you're park has to be 30 units and you just mentioned yeah. 30 to 70 units. So yeah. Um, yeah. do you guys own any smaller than 30? I think you say you do, right? We just, we just bought a 15 unit, but that 15 unit was actually part of the 42 unit that we already owned in the, in the past. So it made sense because our office is right there. The, the mobile home supply store that I told you about earlier, we bought that with the park that we bought from that lady. <laughs> so, so we, we own the store, which is good for us because we get is our materials a lot cheaper. Is, is it? This, it's open now, regular times, nine to six, so, <laughs> for the most part, at least. So, yeah. yeah, but the store is not really a, a, a business for us. We don't really make money on the store, but we have it there because we buy our materials at half price, you know. Yeah. And so um, that helps us out a lot when we're doing remodels. Um, but anyway, that that store and the the park behind it used to be a larger park, and at some point in the past, it was sold to one man who then sold it to his family like he sold Got it. some up to his niece and some up to another person so uh, so we wound up just buying all that back uh, I would not go into a new market and buy something that was 15 units though it's just there's not enough 
it doesn't make sense. We have to set up, you know, management and, and maintenance and it just becomes too much of a headache if there's not enough there. So we have to, it has to be large enough for it to make sense. How do you find management and maintenance in these small towns? It's very tough, very difficult. We have gone through so many people, but there's a, in the gym business, um, I've, I've worked with some, some coaches who, uh, who taught me to always be hiring. And so um, that's kind of the philosophy that we always had with our trainers, you know, and they, they knew if they didn't show up or if, if they, you know, did, were not good with the client or whatever, you know, rude to clients and we were losing business that we could replace them with somebody else. Obviously we, we still, you still have to kind of build some loyalty and you want people to feel secure, but at the same time, you know, if somebody better comes along, we have to, we have to move forward too, you know? So that's kind of the same thing in these small towns. We always have ads out to hire people. We've got on our sign right now at the store, it says we're hiring maintenance guys, you know? Um, So we're always trying to find people and eventually you'll find somebody will come along and be excellent. And then eventually somebody else will come along and be excellent. You'll have a good team. So we have a decent team now of a couple of guys that have been with us for a while. And then we're, we're always trying to find more people. So it's kind of the same thing with management. You know, we just always have to be looking for people. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Yeah. What's a mistake you've made so far and how have you learned from it? Okay. Um, One of the big mistakes other than not being focused. (laughs) That's one thing. (laughs) That's true. You're Uh, already talking about that. That's that's a big one. Um, Okay. So specific to the real estate though, the, the biggest mistake that we made in the first year was not fixing up the properties immediately. The ones that were really distressed, we thought that we could use cash flow to, yeah. to, to build yeah. these up. And so actually, I don't remember who it was, but I used to listen to the Bigger Pockets podcast every day, like as much as possible. And right when we were buying that first property, somebody was on say, saying that they had bought an apartment complex and they were fixing it with cash flow. And, you know, so I kind of had this idea that we could do that. My partner really wanted to do that too. So we were trying to use the cash flow to fix it up and we just never got caught up. Yeah. And so you, you just won't, you never do. So you just have to have that money up front. You got to make that part of your purchase and you got to go in and do it right away. So that's what we're doing now. And uh, that's <laughs> so much better. We probably cost ourselves hundreds of thousands of dollars by not doing that up front because of the lost rent and yep. the, the just disorganization. Yeah. Just a, a lot of stuff that, that we could have avoided. One of the, one of the, the 42 unit that we bought, you know, it was really distressed. So we bought it really, really cheap. Um, we, we had the, the commercial building and the 42 units and the stick built house and we, that we bought for $350,000. And um, yeah, it was just crazy. Um, but we had to kick out 20 of the 42 wow. people. So they were either not paying or whatever, you know. So there was a lot. And then we tried to build that back up you know, one unit at a time. And it just, it, we cost ourselves a lot of money. It, I mean, it was fine. We, we, it, it worked out, but I realized looking back on it, that it was not the right thing to do. So um, in the future, we will always know going in how much we're going to spend. We're going to do it immediately, do it right away. fix up the park yep. or, or apartment complex as fast as possible, and then re-rent it to better tenants right away. So. Yep. Yeah. It's a hundred percent. I it can, Think back to like my very first house that I bought for a rental. Um, it wasn't quite the same because it's just one house, but I rented it out without doing much work, just did the bare bones minimum, uh, yep. rented it out and was getting bad tenants. 
And I realized after I bought another house near it that needed a lot more work. And so we just had to put the money into it. So we had to end up putting the money into it, made it run into a really nice place. And I got really good tenants and I got more rent. I'm going, holy crap. Like, (laughs) yeah, what am I doing? So when that tenant finally, but when my bad tenant of the other property finally moved out, put a bunch of money into it, um, stuck about 20, $25,000 into whatever it was. And, all of a sudden, yep. I've got good tenants. Yep, <laughs> at better prices. So, yeah. and the returns are actually better if you do it that way, and you don't oh, have that opportunity. Less cost of, oh yeah, so much. So, yeah, that was probably the biggest lesson that I've learned so far in this. There's been a lot of them. We made a lot of mistakes starting out. You know, I, I had been studying real estate for a long time, but I didn't have much experience. I just had one house that I owned and yep. two little apartments that were kind of attached to that house, and so um, that was kind of all the experience I had. And so we, I learned kind of as I went with this stuff, it doesn't matter how much you read and how much you listen to podcasts and stuff like that. You still have to do it in order to learn. I feel like there's a lot of mistakes that you can avoid for sure by, by doing that research beforehand. But um, we still made a bunch of mistakes and we had to learn from those. So um, there's a, it's a, a, a big, a big learning experience for sure in the beginning. What's some advice? I mean, you, you know, look, you've been doing this business for just a, just a few years. You're still fairly new into it, but you've had some good amount of success in it uh, in that short period of time, which I commend you for. What's some advice you'd give to any of our listeners who are, you know, maybe, maybe they got a couple deals under their belt or, or they're maybe nothing, but they're, they're trying to go to their seat hear what you're doing and going, wow, I, I want to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, Give some advice to them and, you know, how, how can they get there? What do they need to do? So um, obviously focus is one thing. Whenever I started that first year um, at the end of, I guess it was 2016, whenever we first got that deal under contract, we didn't, we didn't close on it until 2017, I guess. But um, I was kind of reading Grant Cardone's 10X rule at the time. And so I was like, I, you know, I could probably get 10 properties under my belt. And part of his rule is, you know, multiply that by 10 set that goal, work 10 times harder and see what happens. And so I decided, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to set my goal for a hundred and getting that first 30 under, under my belt was a big confidence booster. Um, but I think the thing that, that helped me kind of get to that point is um, I just set the, set a big goal. And then I told people about it who were already kind of going the direction that I wanted to go. And that helped kind of propel me into that. So in this case, my partner, Tommy, already had a mobile home park under his belt. Um, he kind of understood it, uh, the business. Um, he, he was already successful. He was doing a lot of the stuff that I wanted to do. And we were just kind of talking one day and uh, I told him, you know, I want to get into real estate investing. And he was like, well, yeah, I want to invest more in real estate too. I just, I don't have the time. And I'm like, well, I just, I got time now because I'm not in this fitness business anymore but I don't have any money because <laughs> I sold the business, but I was seller financing it and I was getting you know payments. So it wasn't like I had a big, a big windfall. And so, um, so I think if I had, if I had not been open about what I was doing, that's one of my goals for this year, by the way, which is why I'm here because one of my goals that I set this year was to, to, to be more active on social media and try to add value to people's lives on social media by posting more about what I'm doing and you, you help other people, but you also get, more attention to what you're doing. And so that could be um, networking with realtors or brokers or, um, you know, investors or whatever. So um, I think that's probably one of the big things you have to have a, a, 
a, a goal in mind that you know this is where you want to be, make it quantifiable, and then tell people about it, you know? Yep, definitely. Yeah, if you don't tell people, they don't know. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Can't get any help from people if they don't know you need it. <laughs> yeah. How crazy is that? How crazy is that? I know. <laughs> um, what's, a, what's a favorite book? Oh, man. So I think everybody probably says Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? Um, the second book in that series, though, Cashflow Quadrant, is one mm -hmm. of my favorites. Um, I'll tell you another favorite is um, Never Split the Difference uh, by Chris Foss. Yep. Excellent book about negotiation. Um, those are probably some of my, my top three right there. Uh, the Rich Dad, Poor Dad series is uh, – Tommy is the one who told me about that, actually. And I started to to kind of get into that before we started the real estate business. And I, I wouldn't necessarily call that real estate stuff, but from a business mindset perspective, that was like, yeah. you know, life changing. And it is for a lot of people. So what's a daily habit? Daily habit. Um, so I am, uh, maybe it's because I was in school for 10 years, but I'm kind of an education junkie. <laughs> so, so I am every morning uh, where I, where we invest is about 45 minutes from where I live. And so I have that ride in the car. I'm either always either listening to podcasts, listening to a book. I do a lot of like audiobooks, um, or doing a training program, which I do a lot of too. So, um, like, like video modules, you know, so yeah. while I'm in the car driving, I'm either listening, I'm always listening to something educational. So I don't know if I just learned that from being in school my whole life, but, but I think the more you can learn, the better you're going to be. So every day I have a set amount of time, either if it's either in the car or I wake up in the morning early. Um, I like to, if I'm, if I don't have a long drive, I'll, I'll wake up at five in the morning before my kids get up and start screaming at me. And then I'll, uh, I'll go downstairs and, and read or do my, my educational time. So every day, at least an hour every day, I have that educational time, which has been very helpful for me. So Joe, you just get your PhD. No. I, okay. I was at undergraduate school for nine of the, of the 10. So, oh <laughs> so I, I actually did go to graduate school, uh, for state. Right. I did. I went, went to Florida <laughs> state for, for one semester. <laughs> and, uh, and then I, I was actually, so I got my degree in philosophy and I went, my first semester was going to be a master's in philosophy. I went for one semester. I was like, this is, this is crazy. We're like arguing about stuff that's not even real. It doesn't make any sense. Like this, this doesn't make any sense to me. So um, that's when I was like, no, I'm going to do something that I can actually get a job in. So yeah. I started with, you know, working on physical therapy it was another semester in physical therapy. Then I started this business and I was like, I don't even need school. What am I doing? <laughs> so now, so now, now look at what you're doing. <laughs> right. where, where did you learn how to do mobile home parks? Was it, was it in your, your yeah, ten, it was, 10 year degree? <laughs> nope. nope. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki and bigger pockets. Or yeah, exactly. Two things, so. exactly. Not school. <laughs> uh, so, awesome. yeah. So I got one last question before we wrap up. Uh, last question that sure. I ask everybody is what are your three pillars of wealth creation? Yeah, this is a great question. So um, I think, okay, so I'm going to, I'm going to copy Grant Cardone a little bit here. He says, uh, make money, keep money and multiply money. Right. So that's kind of the strategy. Um, I wish that I had done the make money part first, but I just kind of went straight into the investing thing. Um, that's probably a little harder, but for most people who have a, a nine to five or whatever, you know, sales job or whatever, if you can live on half of that money that you make and save the other half of it to invest it, 
I just to save it, like I was taught growing up in school or, you know, whatever that you, you save your money, put it in the bank or put it in the stock market or whatever, and then just sit on it for 50 years and eventually you'll be rich. Right. I don't think that's true anymore. I think that if you can, you can really do a lot on the income side, you raise your income to where it needs to be, save half of it and then take that money and invest it in real estate. If you ask me, but you know, something that you understand for me, I understand real estate. I don't do any other kind of investing because I don't understand it. So yeah. I understood the, the, the fitness business, but even not being focused on that cost me. So I'm, I'm all in on real estate right now. Um, a lot of investment guys will probably tell you that's a bad thing, but I think most wealthy people would say that's, that's what you need to do. So um, I think for most people, if you can, if you can get some income and save half of that, put that money away. And then the more that you invest in the, in, in, you know, can live on that money, try to invest everything that you make. Um, and the more that you invest that, that that's how you really multiply the money. So um, I think that's probably the biggest, biggest thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, Gary Kettler said um, instead of, what do you, what do you say? He said something about your, you know, you building your nest egg and he said, just mm-hmm. have one egg and right. protect yep. it really well. Yep. Your focus and your overall theme has been your focus. You've got to focus on that one thing that mm-hmm. you're good at. And you said yep. that in your investing advice, look, find out what you enjoy and what you're good at and make that your investment for you. It's, yep. it's, it's real estate for you. It's, it's mobile home parties right. and you've, that's what you focused on and that's what you're going to be good at. That's what you're good yeah. at. Somebody yeah. else, it could be stocks. It could be right. uh, buying distressed businesses or who knows, but you've got to make that your focus and you're going to do well at it if that's right. what you can do. But you took the, your eye off the ball um, yep. a few times and you've learned your lesson. Yep. That's right. So and we all have, I, I have everybody that's, <laughs> that's around us. So. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Keith, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I, I, you know, it's, it's fun having you on here to talk about your journey, something that is, is relatively new, but been very successful in that short amount of time. So it's been a a pleasure to have you on. Definitely appreciate it. And uh, I appreciate it. Fantastic rest of the day. Thank you. You too. I appreciate Keith hand for joining us on the show and uh, the value he was able to add to the show. A couple key things I took from, uh, Keith is, is look, uh, it's all about focusing, all about setting those goals. And then, uh, and then look, I mean, keep keeping and investing the money that you've got to be able to continue to push on, to move on and uh, figure out different ways to continue to grow uh, your business and be creative. And so uh, just a lot of fun having Keith on, seeing his progress to this date and uh, being able to watch and see how he continues to evolve. So again, thanks for Keith for joining us and, uh, you know, take what you can from this episode and and apply it into your business and figure out how it applies to your business and then actually implement it into your business, into your life and uh, watch and and look at the results happen. I'm Todd Dexterimer. I'm signing out. Make every day a Saturday. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, Give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. Your rating and review just helps us push this out to 
more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and, and also, look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out, and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.